Football is back, and right now, Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football, with games being played nearly every day, and with Bet365's Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple's App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hi there, welcome to this week's Zonal Marking Podcast, which is brought to you by The Athletic. Liverpool are Premier League champions, their first title since the 1989-1990 season and we wanted to give Liverpool a piece of the Zonal Marking podcast treatment. I'm Ali Maxwell, joined by the Jordan Henderson of The Athletic, Michael Cox. Good morning, Michael. How are you getting on? Yeah, well, I don't quite know what that comparison means, but I'm not going to pursue the question any further. But uh, yeah, very well. Thank you. I will let yourself and the listeners make your own minds up. Uh, Michael, which aspect of Jurgen Klopp's side are we going to zoom in on today? Uh, We're going to talk about their possession play, their passing, their passing combinations, which weirdly I think is a, a bit of an overlooked thing about Liverpool. I mean, everyone talks about... Um, obviously, the pressing when Klopp first came, uh, the crossing of the fullbacks, the, the counter-attacking, the, the quality in, in defence they now have. But no one ever really talks about the passing. And it's obviously something they, they do a lot, something they do very well. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be a good topic of discussion. You know who loves talking about Liverpool's possession play? Tom Warville, the analytics expert of The Athletic, who joins us today. Welcome, Tom. Hi, guys. How are you going? We're we're doing very well. Excited to have you back on the pod. Tom, you've been writing a piece on Liverpool with an analytics slant. That will be out on Thursday. Michael, you've already published this week something on Liverpool. Ten tactical innovations that transformed Klopp's Liverpool into champions. So I've clearly got the right guests booked on the pod today. Uh, Make sure any listeners who are not subscribers to The Athletic, who would like to read... Tom would like to read Michael on Liverpool and many other things that the athletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking is the place to go. If you head to that link, the athletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking, you'll get a 30 day free trial. So you can really try before you buy, check out everything the athletic has to offer, not just these guys, but a ton of other excellent sports writing as well. Michael, let's get into Liverpool, the champions. We're always told that Man City are the possession side and that Liverpool more about pressing and and a more direct style of attack. Do you think that's an an accurate way of describing those two sides? I mean, as a generalisation, probably yes. I think they do have their different styles, but I think it's important not to overlook the fact that on their day, Liverpool can play that possession style of play very well, purely in terms of stats. So far in the Premier League, the most passes in a game has been Liverpool's home game with Sheffield United in early January. They played 876 passes, which is more than Man City have done in any game this season. That was a game where they went ahead very early, I think the fourth or fifth minute through Salah. And then they basically just wanted to hold on to the 
ball, kill the game. Sheffield United, very good in possession, maybe not particularly adept at pressing high up the pitch and Liverpool were able to just kill the game. Um, in terms of the overall figures, I mean, their possession figures, uh, their average possession figure is 59.5% across the five major European leagues in Europe. 98 teams there, it's the sixth best. Their pass completion rate is only the 16th best. So there's a bit of an imbalance there. And I think that what that tells you is having possession isn't just about keeping the ball. It's also about how quickly you win it. And we know that Liverpool are very good at regaining the ball quickly. And I think they've started to do that more and then have spells of possession. Initially, the counter-pressing was all about win the ball and attack immediately. But I think Liverpool have become a little bit more refined. And yeah, on their day, they're very capable of dominating possession to the level that uh, City can. 16 wins out of 16 games at Anfield in the league this season. This is uh, an elite team in possession, I think it's fair to say, even if we don't think of them uh, in the same breath as Man City when it comes to maybe breaking down teams who defend in a low block. They've proven otherwise this year. Let's go through the team from back to front. Tom Warville, we hear a lot about goalkeepers and how important distribution is to the goalkeeping trade these days. How important is Liverpool goalkeeper Alisson to Liverpool's passing build-up play? Yeah, I think um, from, from looking at the data, it's you know, Alisson is, is really important and he's actually only one of two goalkeepers this season who have registered an assist. Um, Alisson, of course, assisted Mo Salah against Man United uh, and the other one is uh, Aaron Ramsdale who kind of hoofed the ball upfield towards Callum Wilson and he kind of did did the rest from there. But um, I don't think, you know, assists tell the whole story and Alisson's been involved in, in the build-up to seven goals this season. But a lot of, even a lot of those are just simple passes to to the defenders. So, um, you know, he, he's really comfortable with the ball at his feet. And I think that even just being able to make those simple short passes and sometimes under pressure as well, um, really just means that Liverpool can, can you know, give the ball to Van Dijk and, and Gomez or Matip or whoever's at the back and allow them to kind of progress the build-up from there. Good time to plug a, a former zonal marking episode, which is about the change to the goal kick rule, uh, which came into force pretty much this time last year in time for this season uh, and the way in which that has changed the game and the way in which goalkeepers and goal kicks are now crucial to teams build up play. If you didn't listen to that episode back in February, head to this podcast feed and scroll down. How has the new goal kick rule changed the game? Tom was actually on that podcast as well. So give that a listen once you're finished here. Now, Alisson did suffer an injury earlier in the campaign and Adrian filled in for him. Uh, somewhat surprised to see that Adrian actually played 11 Premier League games uh, and three Champions League games. What was the drop-off there in terms of, of Adrian replacing Alisson, Tom? How much did they miss Alisson? Yeah, I think, I you know, also go through the numbers, I think it is pretty surprising how much he actually played this season. And the way I kind of wanted to tackle Liverpool's passing in this piece was instead of just looking at passing in it from a statistical point of view, which usually is quite obtuse and, and you know, you can look at pass completion or kind of long passes and short passes and, and kind of dice it in ways like that. But I think with, with passes, there's, you know, when you look at the, the kind of drilled balls down the line that Trent Alexander-Arnold makes or the kind of long range bombs that, that Van Dyke uses, um, these are very different types of passes and they explain a lot about, you know, what a player can do, what a player does when in possession of the ball. So what I did is, is kind of split up all the passes in the Premier League this year and put them into 50 different categories. So you have some which are just basic passes between 
the two center backs. You have some which the you know the crossfield switches that um, Trent Alexander Arnold uses, and then also ones which are kind of longer upfield from goalkeepers. Um, you know, from in around their their own penalty area and then upfield. And what we see is that Allison doesn't attempt uh, as many of these as kind of your average goalkeeper, but when he does, he completes them at about eight um, percent higher than the average rate, which may not seem like a lot, but if we compare that to when Adrian elects to go long he goes long far more uh, and he's actually worse than the average goalkeeper when doing it so there was a, a big change when when adrian was in the team such that if he elects to go long he wasn't as good at kind of initiating liverpool's attack further upfield and i think that these are the fine margins that the difference between allison and, and adrian kind of get for you with you know 66 million pounds in, in the transfer market mm, michael tom said that one of Alisson's great strengths is actually his short passing and getting the ball to Virgil van Dijk in particular. In terms of the defence and their contribution in possession, let's start with van Dijk. How involved is he here? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it depends whether you measure things in terms of per game or in terms of per 90 minutes. But either way, van Dijk is right up there in terms of the Premier League. He, he just plays more passes than pretty much anyone else. I think that says a lot about Liverpool's style the way that they want to impose themselves aggressively, positionally uh, on the game. I think in, in in situations where other teams would have their central midfielder on the ball, it is Van Dijk and the other centre-back who are, who are trying to control it. And the other thing with Van Dijk is he's he's capable really of playing the final pass. It's not just build-up play. You know, the classic example is that really great pass he played over the top for Mane away at Bayern Munich last year, which I think everyone remembers because there's um, some fantastic camera angles of that from behind the pass. But he's done that a few times. I mean, uh, the winner at home to, to Wolves again a Mane goal where there was controversy about whether Lallana had handballed it that was Van Dijk's sweeping pass over the top the Salah goal that I mentioned earlier the opener against Sheffield United was a classic kind of drifted Van Dijk pass over the top and the Mane winner against Bournemouth a 2-1 home win I thought that showed Van Dijk perfectly he intercepted the ball uh, so he won possession, then immediately looked up and curled the ball in behind for Mane, who finished in a kind of Thierry Henry fashion. So yeah, I mean, Van Dijk's very crucial. And I think the other centre-backs as well, Gomez is very composed on the ball. There was a game, um, a 1-0 win away at Sheffield United quite early in the campaign where Dean Henderson made a mistake from a Wijnaldum shot. Liverpool weren't that impressive that day, but I thought the most impressive player was probably Joel Matip, who was bringing the ball forward really well from the back. I remember him in, uh, in the Bundesliga being really regarded as a converted central midfielder rather than a, a defined centre-back. So he's obviously very comfortable on the ball as well. So, yeah, the, the centre-backs, I think, probably the most uh, creative in the league. Yeah, you've, you've waxed lyrical there about Van Dijk's long passing in particular. Tom, do the numbers back up that feeling of Michael's? And, and how does Van Dijk compare to other Premier League defenders using your uh, very smart bit of work splitting up every potential type of pass in the Premier League? Yeah, so with Van Dijk, I kind of wanted to look at, you know, who are the players that have similar passing profile to him? And interestingly, the most similar player that I got was Harry Maguire. So it, it seems that, you know, Maguire as well stationed on the left and, and plays a lot of you know similar types of passes um, and after that him you've got kind of Fernandinho is the next similar and and Antonio Rudiger um, so I think that you know there are players who play a lot of the more safe short passes that Van Dijk plays a lot and he actually elects to go longer probably you know far far less than kind of your average Premier League centre-back does so I think that 
it's probably a case of when he does look to go long, he's just you know, really good at it and it, it sticks our mind far more. And yeah, he completes these kind of longer switch and, and, and you know, passes upfield more uh, often than kind of the average defender as well. I want to touch also upon something that Michael mentioned there around Joel Matip and with Van Dijk too. So we can look at, um, thanks to data from, from Sport Logic, which are a kind of data analytics company and they collect data through um, broadcast footage and they look to kind of add additional layers of context to the more traditional kind of event data. Um, and they have a model which we can look to count the number of players bypassed um, and number of kind of lines that are broken by a player. And what we can see with, with Van Dijk and, and Gomez is that um, and Matip is, is Matip and Gomez attempt to line breaking passes far more than than Van Dijk does per ninety minutes. So Gomez is around seven point one per ninety, uh, and Van Dijk is is five point four. And the completion rates as well are, are I mean they're pretty similar. I mean Gomez completes his eighty two percent, Van Dijk eighty percent. But the real difference is when you know if there is a line breaking option available, how often do the players attempt to use it? And Matip and Gomez are so much more keen to try and progress the ball forward. So if there's a, a line breaking option available, then Gomez will go for it around 27% of the time uh, and Van Dyke 22% of the time. So Van Dyke seemingly is a, a bit more keen to move the ball sideways, maybe open up the space a little bit more. Um, and, and Gomez and Matip electing far more to try and progress the ball centrally, which I thought was, was really interesting. Something that maybe before looking at this data, I didn't quite think about Van Dyke's game like that. Harry's sponsors the Zonal Marking Podcast. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. And their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. That's a weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. I've recently received a Harry's trial set, and it's fair to say it's changed my shaving life forever. I feel fresh. I look fresh. In all honesty, I look about 10 years old. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'm not quite sure. But as a listener of Zonal Marking, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash zonalmarking right now. That's harrys.com slash zonalmarking. Hey, Michael, we, we've talked on the pod before about the fullbacks and how crucial they are to Liverpool's system and how uh, unusual they are, how much they have sort of redefined the role in, in some ways of a, a Premier League fullback. And they are often talked about as a duo, sort of just because of the very fact that they are the two, the two fullbacks. But I find that quite interesting because you probably wouldn't talk about a pair of wingers necessarily as a duo or as some interlinked partnership, potentially with the exception of Robben and Ribéry, who always used to come together when talking about Bayern Munich. Uh, 
what are their roles? How are they similar and how do they differ? Should we be talking about them as one homogenous partnership or, or do they have their own lives? Do they have their own roles? Yeah, I think they're, they're quite different. I mean, I think that uh, it's natural we talk about them because of their assists. I mean, this will be the second season in a row where Liverpool's top sisters are the fullbacks, which is very rare. I think that obviously speaks to their positional play and how high they get up the pitch. Personally, I think of I think of Robertson as a very good attacking, overlapping fullback with a good left foot delivery. And you can sell that for Alexander-Arnold as well. But I think Alexander-Arnold is a genuine playmaker. I, I think he he directs play. I think he's involved in more of their, their build-up play. I think that obviously he's a brilliant crosser of the ball. Probably only De Bruyne in the Premier League is comparable in terms of how much whip he can get on his crosses. But I think there's there's more refined passes from him as well. And there's also some examples of where he's been shut down, Alexander-Arnold, and he's he's kind of checked inside and played a really good left-footed pass. And you just don't expect that kind of thing of a right-back, regardless of how good they are at getting into the final third and whipping balls in. You don't expect them coming inside and, and playing penetrative passes with their other foot. So, yeah, personally, I think Alexander-Arnold Alexander is on a, a different level, really, to, to Robertson in terms of his passing play. I think he's more crucial to the combinations they play with Salah and Henderson down the right, which I think is, is probably Liverpool's best part of the side in terms of unlocking defences. And yeah, for me, Alexander Arnold is, is the side's playmaker. Yeah, and a, a Trent crossfield ball, a big switch is, is among the most aesthetically pleasing things in football these days. Tom, uh, give me some aesthetically pleasing numbers about Trent Alexander-Arnold and big switches. Yeah, so when looking at Trent's game and kind of the passes that he uses, those kind of crossfield switches, are that's kind of the key pass that separates him so much from, from other right backs and players that, that play on the right and he attempts that you know more often than any other fullback and uh, he doesn't quite complete them more often than others and I'm not sure if this is you know a quirk in the data but it seems that Kyle Walker is equally um, pretty good at attempting these sorts of passes but he definitely doesn't do it with the, the regularity of, of Trent Alexander-Arnold and I think yeah right writing this piece it was really interesting and Michael kind of touched on it there around Alexander-Arnold's technique and when you try and chop and um, dice the data in different ways it is actually kind of hard to measure the fact that you know Trent attempts uh, you know he strikes the ball in such a way that it's so different to other players and, and it's really hard to kind of bear that out in in the numbers really I think that's just one of those things that um, well you know stats can't solve everything and, and some things are just better enjoyed <laughs> on the field of play but also with Trent we, we can see that even though he's, he's great at those switches he's actually the player who breaks the lines most for Liverpool and I think that's kind of different to a lot of uh, other teams in the league so if we look at kind of Chelsea Man City, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs, all of their top uh, line-breaking players, again, according to Sport Logic, are central midfielders. So Chelsea have got Jorginho, City have got Rodri, uh, United have actually got Nemanja Matic, uh, Arsenal, Granit Xhaka, Spurs, Harry Winks, and then, yeah, Liverpool have, have got Trent. So, yeah, like like Coxie says, very much, it, it's odd having a playmaker at, at fullback, and he's actually, you know, one of the more prominent uh, line-breaker and progressive players in the league. And Michael, who, who is the better passer in your opinion in the deepest role in Liverpool's midfield would you say Fabinho or Jordan Henderson I think they're very different I mean Fabinho to me always looks quite composed on the ball I think he's quite authoritative when he gets possession shields the ball well when he receives it from the centre-backs under pressure but I think Henderson's been really impressive actually in terms of his passing particularly I would say in the second half of the season it's almost like he's 
you know, he's grown in confidence as as the season's continued and obviously he's got a lot of praise this season, maybe for the first time in his Liverpool career. And his passing's been really expressive. I mean, Mane, again, is, is the key factor here. He was the one I spoke about a lot earlier when we were speaking about Van Dijk's passing. But the winner at Norwich was a, a floated ball over the top for Mane from, from Henderson in a deep position. In the 5-2 win over Everton, Mane missed a couple of chances late on, but Henderson was really playing these almost Andrea Pirlo-esque passes. And then he used that kind of confidence for the next game, which was away at Bournemouth, and played a really good floated ball over the top for Oxlade-Chamberlain, who uh, was making a run in behind the defence, which you don't necessarily think of Oxlade-Chamberlain doing to get on the end of a long ball. But he clearly knows that Henderson has got that in his locker. And uh, yeah, I think in terms of... In terms of long-range passes, in terms of actually creating chances, Henderson's uh, the superior player. Of course, he can do that as well from the right centre role, where I think he's... I prefer Liverpool personally when Fabinho's there protecting the defence and Henderson's on the right, because then the combinations with Alexander-Arnold and, and Salah are more obvious. But from either position, I think he's shown really good passing range throughout the season. Tom, Liverpool's midfield it isn't spoken about much in terms of passing or creative passing especially uh, often the word used to describe Liverpool's midfield has been functional I can never tell if that's a sort of bit of a dig or or, or a genuine compliment at how well-rounded they are and how well they do all facets of the game does anyone stand out in a passing sense in terms of numbers in the midfield zone for Liverpool yeah I think I mean it's interesting you were both talking then about Henderson and Fabinho and and um, there's not one mention of, of Gini Wijnaldum, who for me is, is probably my favourite of the three in, in Liverpool's midfield. And again, looking at the numbers, he, he completes you know a high proportion of his passes um, when under pressure in, in the midfield and all across the pitch for Liverpool. So when he's under pressure, he completes 89% of his passes. If you want to compare that with Fabinho, it's 82%. Uh, and Jordan Henderson, it is 80%. So Wijnaldum really is kind of, you know, the pressure valve. And, and if things are getting a bit hot in, in midfield or Liverpool are kind of, you know, on the threat of um, conceding the ball in transition or being counted upon, I think he's a really useful calming influence uh, there. And his ball retention skills are are excellent. He's one of the, the best midfielders in the league in terms of being able to retain possession. His passing yeah, it's functional and he's, he's not as, you know, attempting to progress the ball forwards. But I think that's very much Liverpool's game plan of, of use the wings, use the wingers and the fullbacks to progress play and kind of use the midfield to block progression upwards towards their own goal and also just kind of sweep up and, and keep it nice and tidy. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. Moving forward to Roberto Firmino, 
Uh, a former attacking midfielder, of course, with Hoffenheim, who now plays as Liverpool's number nine. Uh, and that leads to him often, Michael, being called a false nine. Uh, with, the def- with the definition of a false nine, as you understand it, do you think that's the right way of describing Firmino's role? Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth with Firmino. I mean, when he first started playing there, it was a bit of a bold call from uh, from Klopp because he came to England as an attacking midfielder, really a number 10 rather than a number nine. I think he then changed his game to incorporate more of the things you expect from a centre forward. He was scoring tap-ins, he was scoring headers, he was scoring poachers goals. He hasn't really done that much this season. I mean, he hasn't scored at Anfield all, all campaign, which is an incredible statistic for such a successful side when he's played up front almost every game. But what is not in doubt is is his link playing deep positions. And yeah, at times it's almost like he is going back to playing as a number 10 with Salah and Mane higher up the pitch, starting wide, but moving inside into goal scoring positions. So to, to reiterate how I started this answer, I think he's gone back to, to being a little bit more of a false nine, having previously looked a bit more like a... Uh, a proper number nine. Gone round the houses, but we got there in the end. Uh, Tom, how much does his link play stand out in terms of the numbers? Yeah, so when we look at um, Firmino's link play and kind of look at all the passes that he he receives on average, you see it's it's kind of hard, hard to convey um, without kind of looking at the graphic. And that's why I kind of implore people to, to have a look at the piece when it comes out. But um, a lot of the passes which he receives are, are kind of in midfield, in, in the centre of the pitch. And it, it definitely distinguishes him far more from, from any other centre forward. So the most common pass that he actually receives is from the right-hand side, kind of just cutting inside midfield um, in the centre circle. And then the, the second most is from the left-hand side, just from inside his own half, from, from Andrew Robertson. Andy Robertson. So a lot of the passes that he, he picks up typically are just very, very different from what you'd expect from your kind of most common uh, centre forwards to be making. And I think that, um, you know, he, he's really good at receiving these. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. His completion rates under pressure as well are, are really high. He's kind of ranked 10th in the league uh, amongst all forwards, which I think is, is pretty good. And there's a lot of Man City players in there ahead of him, which I think is is quite interesting. But I think that the positions that Firmino finds himself in, a lot of the passes are kind of, uh, you know, trying to move the ball forward quickly or just help link play and then he can run forward onto them. So I think that, um, yeah, the way that he has kind of been used this season in midfield or to link attacks and deeper is, is, yeah, one of the more pleasing elements of Liverpool's pay, play. And I think he ties together their, their fast moves when they do use them really, really well. He's got seven assists in the league. It's the same number as Sadio Mane and Mo Salah as well. Seven assists for each of the front three uh, those wide forwards Michael uh, are they just dribblers and goal scorers or, or are they passers as well in this Liverpool side I think their role means that they don't really have to be penetrative passes uh, I think really their their passing quality is more about decision making under pressure because they're released in behind a lot and there's lots of times where Liverpool have you know a counter-attack involving three players and they've got to work it properly but I mean, they're, they're really good players when they have to be in that sense. I remember Mane really impressing when he was at Southampton, when he was moved into a number 10 position. And I remember at the time being surprised as I thought of him as a wide forward, which is, of course, where he plays now. But he played that role very well for Southampton. And you can say the same with Salah as well. He had a spell at Fiorentina where I think he was on loan from Chelsea at the time. And he was deployed as number 10 as well, more a counter-attacking number 10. But again, when he got the ball in congested areas and tight areas with the centre forward ahead of him, he was very good at 
poking the ball through. So we see it sometimes. There was the goal that uh, Mane rounded off uh, last week against Crystal Palace in that 4-0 win where Salah's first time pass in behind was was brilliant. It's kind of subtle, but also very clever and, um, you know, obviously got Mane running in behind yet again. So, yeah, both are, are competent when they have to be in, in those positions. But in general, you know, obviously they do their work out wide and, and obviously are, are both prolific goal scorers. So I think that's a good overview of what Liverpool have done in possession this season. Let's look ahead quickly before we wrap up. And it's one thing to win a Premier League title. It's another thing entirely to defend it. And I'm interested to know, Michael, given that you've studied this Liverpool side so closely, what you think they might look to improve on ahead of a title defence in the 2020-2021 season? Yeah, I'm interested to see how they use Minamino, who came in in January. We haven't seen the best of him by any means, but he's a really good player. I mean, he's a he's a proper number 10. He's a dribbler. He's a creator. I think a lot of people have, have suggested he will play the Firmino role, and I think that is certainly an option. It's probably the best fit for him in this side. But I do wonder as well whether Klopp will look to evolve the side and play a fourth attacking player. He did that a little bit last season when he was kind of involving Shakiri on the right and Salah was playing up front a little bit more but I think Minamino can play as a number 10 he can probably just about in certain games play in a midfield three and I think that will bring more interplay between the lines and maybe just make Liverpool's passing combinations even better against deep defences. I'm interested to see whether Klopp needs to evolve in terms of teams really trying to um, clamp down on, on the th- threat of Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. And now that Alex also chamberlain is fit and Naby Keita's got a, a good run of fitness as well, whether Klopp tries to change the midfield and make use of that kind of more athletic dynamism in there. Um, I mean, Keita's one who is just excellent technically and, and trying to break lines and move forward in the final third. And he's a, a kind of elite dribbler as well. So I, I really don't think we've seen the best of Keita yet and he's not really had a good run in the side. So... He's one for me that I'd definitely be excited to see more of uh, next season. A few players potentially waiting in the wings to have more of an impact for Liverpool next season. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Michael, for your own impact on this podcast, looking at the champions, Liverpool, and how they play in possession, how they have been the best team in the Premier League this season. You've both written about this. Michael's piece is already live on the Athletic site. Uh, the Ten Commandments of Liverpool, I'm calling it, although that's not exactly what the title is. Ten Tactical Innovations is more accurate. Uh, and Tom's more analytical slant piece will be coming out later on in the week. So make sure you check those out. Theathletic.co.uk forward slash zonal marking is the place to go if you would like a 30-day free trial to see everything that The Athletic has to offer. We hope that you'll join us again next week on the Zonal Marking Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed, please. These podcasts are free on all podcast platforms. They're also available ad-free for Athletic subscribers on the site and app. So join us next week with a fresh new topic on the Zonal Marking Podcast and enjoy the rest of your week this week.